I bring grace to you and peace from God our Father through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Before I launch into the sermon today, I just want to um, give you an application point for where we've been and what we're doing today. I understand that uh, before I arrived here, there was a, a ministry that Bill Hartley, Pastor Bill Hartley, enjoyed with you all called the Better Man series. And uh, I have determined, now I'm not going to be like Bill Hartley, but uh, we are going to try to uh, have a little bit of a Better Man re, uh, reprise. And that will be uh, these first three weeks, uh, first three Tuesdays of November. So mark that on your calendar, ladies, in December. We're going to have the Even Better Woman series, so you're always better, and that'll be on Tuesday nights in December. So just put that in the back of your mind, because it's one thing to talk about prophetic ministry, the prophetic ministry of Daniel. It's another thing to gather in community, and while we're living in exile, to challenge each other to live in that way. I'm appreciative of all the Bible studies and fellowship groups that we have going on here already at Shepherd of the Desert, um, but this is another opportunity, especially if you're not connected into a community uh, beyond worship. Uh, this is a great opportunity for both men and women uh, to gather together and uh, to put into practice what God's calling is on your lives each and every day. As we come to Daniel chapter 7 through 12, let's uh, take a moment and just center ourselves in God's word. Let's bow our hearts and heads to God in prayer. Gracious Heavenly Father, thank you for this journey in exile with Daniel so that through Daniel, your message to us may be part of our journey in this 21st century kind of exile we live in. Lord, we're hopeful. Um, we're glad to live in this country. We're glad to live in these days, but there are also challenges and headwinds before us. We pray, dear God, you give us hope. You give us a persevering hope by which to look into the future, navigate our way toward the future, and that with your divine blessing. For this we ask in Jesus' name and all of God's people said, Amen. I like NASCAR somewhat. I like fast cars for sure. But frankly, and if you saw the baseball game, how many of you saw the end of the Astros-Yankees game last night? You know, you just don't see it coming. Altuve with two outs in the bottom of the ninth, a walk-off home run. He's a little tiny guy, and that ball went a country mile. How does he generate such speed? We love baseball because of the unexpected twists and turns. However, with NASCAR, I've never quite gotten this picture. They made another left turn. That's all you ever do. I mean, there may be a crash. God forbid anybody gets hurt. But at the end of the day, it's just a left turn four times. That's what NASCAR is. The book of Daniel has been kind of like a NASCAR race. Uh, we started out in chapter 1. We made a left turn. Daniel decided not to defile himself, and God's authority was honored. Chapter 2. We came along, and there was some further conversation between Daniel and Nebuchadnezzar. They made a left turn. God's authority was honored. We move on to chapter 3. For the book of Daniel, it has frankly been a bunch of left turns. It's the same thing week in and week out. Different contexts, different circumstances that give rise to the left turn. But at the end of the day, God's authority 
his ultimate authority over the kings of the earth and his people who are living under their tyranny in exile, it's been this kind of scene for seven weeks. I want to thank you for your patience as we've made our way through Daniel, learning the lesson of God's authority again and again. But now we're going to make one final left turn. And this left turn is going to be, it's going to be a doozy. Now, just to catch us all up, we've been through seven weeks of Daniel, and at each turn we've learned a new resolution that gives particular nuance, particular shape to the way in which God's authority is being experienced while we live in exile. And we've learned these seven resolutions. And what I'd like to do, as we've done, and this is the last time I know some of you are saying, thank God it's over. Yes, it's been repetitive. Repetition's the mother of learning. But let's put these in your mouth and heart and mind one more time so that maybe in some way when you are pressed, when you are challenged as we live in this 21st century moment of exile, by God's Holy Spirit at work in you, he may bubble up one of these prophetic remembrances and by these resolutions, you may have the backbone, the courage to stand strong and to confess faith in God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ in that moment of trial, temptation, and testing. We read these out loud together one more time. I will not defile myself. I will be faithful even to the faithless. I will be faithful to the bitter end. I will prize humility above all else. I will learn the lessons life teaches me. I will trust that God will save me. And today I will look forward with persevering hope. Today we focus on looking forward with persevering hope because that hope is settling from the far distant future with which we look uh, at, uh, with spiritual binoculars, that hope is settling from the future into our present. And here's the key takeaway as we read these Daniel chapters uh, 7 through 12 today. The backbone for every Christian in exile is a compelling vision of the future that God is writing. It is compelling. In one part of scripture, it says that the love of Christ compels us to live in a certain way. Paul thinking about the love of Christ revealed on the cross. Today, what compels Daniel is the vision of the future that God was giving to him. Now, here's a little bit of some notes. And again, if it's only 12 chapters. It'll take you about a half an hour, 45 minutes to read. It's not a long read. And while it's easy to read the first six chapters, it's a little bit more difficult to read the last seven chapters unless they're understandable. And today I want to make them understandable. I want to do some teaching today in this final wrap-up sermon. And here's one of the notes I want you to keep in mind that at the end of chapter 6, which we finished last week, the storyline comes to an end. But with the first verse of chapter 7, the backstory to that storyline begins. There's always a backstory, right? I mean, how many of you have gone and seen Marvel comic uh, shows, you know, like um, like uh, the Avengers: Age of Ultron, or uh, something like that. None of you have, or, you know. If you haven't, it they're great. But 
you know, they, they give you, okay, here's how the, the, the story of the Avengers, Marvel Comics, or it could be DC Comics as well, but here's how the storyline goes forward. But then, in order to make more money, they decide, you know what, why don't we tell the backstory of, like, Wonder Woman? Why don't we tell the backstory of how Captain America became one of the Avengers? Let's talk about the backstory uh, alike as has come up now let's let's really find out the Batman or the Batman backstory with the Joker and Joaquin Phoenix that's the big one right now that's kind of been going and taking the world by storm so the backstory matters well the interesting way that Daniel is written is now we get the backstory we get four particular scenes from the backstory of Daniel's life. While all of this was going on in the courts of Nebuchadnezzar, Belshazzar, Darius, uh, Cyrus, the Persian king in chapters 1 through 6, when Daniel goes offline, when he goes back to his room and puts his head on the pillow, God is giving him visions, and those visions in the backstory are what are giving him strength and courage to be in the foreground story with these kings as they are testing him and the people that are in exile. There are four particular pieces to this backstory. Two have to do with Belshazzar. Belshazzar, the one we learn in chapter 5, puffed himself up, thought himself so great after his father Nebuchadnezzar has died, and that's when the writing was on the wall, right? Tickle, tickle, parson, uh... What is it? Meeny, 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 tickle parson. That was it. Remember that one? You learned how to speak Aramaic, right? Meeny, meeny, tickle parson. Tickle, tickle, tickle. Well, while that was going on in the foreground and Belshazzar was, was shaking in his boots, little did we know that before that there were two visions that God gave to Daniel in order to give him some backbone to strengthen him with a vision of the future that God was authoring over and above all of this. Had Daniel not had those visions, would he have had the courage to stand up to Belshazzar and say, Belshazzar, some bad news. Tonight you're going to bite it. Yeah, it's not going to end well, and your kingdom's going to be divided. See, that took guts. But before Daniel had the guts of his own fortitude, God gave him while he was sleeping a vision of God's fortitude, of God's strength. And God's strength always stands behind his prophets, not to give them, here's the words you should speak, but here's the courage you will need to speak them. My brothers and sisters, in some ways, It's Daniel 7 through 12 we should have read every word of. And I would have summarized the first six chapters. Next time I preach Daniel in a year or so, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. But next time I preach Daniel, next time I teach Daniel, I think I might just read through 7 through 12 with chapters 1 through 6 just being the window dressing that gets us there. You see, the message, though, through those last six chapters is still the same. Um, There is a heavenly court assembled. 
God has before him a book of life that contains the names of those that have not defiled themselves, those who have been committed to God, even though they are not perfect. Nevertheless, in that book of life is written the names of those that have stayed true to God. The Ancient of Days, we are told in 7 through 12, sits in victorious judgment over the kingdoms of the earth. And this is also true that as chapter 7 fades to chapters 8, 9, 10, and 11, and 12, like we did with Jordan up here, so faithful that we took the binoculars. And, and have, you ever, have you ever stood on, a, on a, a set of railroad tracks? And you can actually, you can see the railroad ties separated in front of you. And as they go forward, you can still count the individual wooden railroad ties. But there comes a point of convergence way down the line where the railroad ties seem to just blend into one and the railroad tracks, you no longer see the separation of the two tracks. They come together. That's the... That's the way that Daniel works. Daniel is given these railroad ties that are separated. Well, this kingdom is going to give way to this kingdom, and then after that, then you see the next tie. This kingdom is going to give way to this kingdom. But finally, as the railroad tracks go down, they converge at one single point, and everything blends into this ultimate reality, which is the hope, the hope of God's final kingdom. Everything, in other words, points to that final kingdom. We need to have that vision. We live in a time when, depending on who's in the presidential office, you hope for a change in one way or the other. That's not a political statement. That's just a reality of our time. We live in a time when in certain jobs that we are in, we see our job here, but we know that we're not going to retire from this place of employment and we see the next step and the next professional step until finally it converges on the moment we apply for Social Security and hope that we've got a 401k that can support us beyond it. You see, we live in a life where there are constant railroad ties that we are counting, but the invitation of God is to always keep our eye fixed on that point of convergence down the road so that by the end of Daniel chapter 12, we have this apocalyptic vision of a final kingdom, the one which every human heart yearns for through every human circumstance. This is our hope for today. And so I give you this word from Jesus. And then we're going to show a video. And then I'm going to bring home and close Daniel, Daniel the prophecy. Jesus said, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. His fundamental mission was to say to people, don't defile yourselves. Stop defiling yourselves. Stop sinning or something worse may happen. Turn away from sin. Go and sin no more. Jesus said that through a proclamation, a call to repentance. But he did that with a promise that in him, that point of convergence far into the future, the kingdom of heaven has drawn near. Daniel yearned for the day that this kingdom would be made a reality. 
God in Jesus Christ brought that kingdom to earth. Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. Pontius Pilate, he shuddered when he heard that there was a king competing for the loyalty of his subjects. Herod the Great killed countless innocent babies in his maniacal intention to get rid of this king whose star shone up in Bethlehem sky. In Jesus Christ, the kingdom of heaven has drawn near and no king can contest him. There is no king that can conquer the love, the mercy, the compassion of our Lord Jesus Christ. As we close out this gospel of Daniel, as we close out these chapters where Daniel gives us that picture of a greater kingdom, if we th simply think of this kingdom in worldly terms, we are missing the entire vision of what God has intended. Because as we read there at the end of chapter 12, the vision that Daniel has of a kingdom is ultimately synonymous with the kingdom of Christ. I want to show you a video here in just a second. I want to set this video up if I can. You know, you've seen these videos, right, of like a runner, and I'm not really a runner, so I, I have no idea, but, um, you know, I've got friends that run. Yes, I do. I've got friends. Anybody else who have friends that run? You say, hey, great, yeah, another Facebook video of you running, or wow, super, you, you, five-minute mile, awesome. You know, I, I have friends who run. Anyways, um, you've seen these videos of, of runners in races where they're getting close to the finish line or they're jumping over a hurdle and they fall down, right? You've seen those videos? Have you seen them? You know, and, and then someone, as they're coming along uh, behind these runners, stops, still having not finished the race, and, and picks that runner up and, and helps them across the finish line and how great... Um, that, that kind of a modeling of what a Christian community or a community of, of friends and, and people who are really helping each other out, what, what that looks like. It's a great image. I want to show you a, a similar video, but that's markedly different. And then I want to talk about how this video relates to this. Let's just watch this video.
What strikes me about that video is, uh, is the message of Daniel. Jesus has crossed the finish line. In Hebrews it says, he endured the cross, scorned its shame, and he finished the race. He sat down at the right hand of God, his heavenly Father. But through these visions, whether it be in Daniel or the book of Revelation or in Matthew chapter 25, which we also read today, this is the way that Jesus comes back into history, reaches us, and carries us toward the finish line. In fact, in some ways, in some ways, the very reason Jesus came into our history was to do exactly what that young lady did in coming from the finish line, his throne in heaven, to come back into our running lane where we are living life, we are scratching and we are clawing just to survive another day. Jesus came into our lane. He came into our world. He bore our sins in his body. And through that faith, he brings us home. Um, we're not big in the Lutheran church on altar calls. And uh, even though this is uh, non-communion Sunday, I'm not going to have you come up and, and kneel here and, and pray to receive Jesus. But I am going to recognize that whenever a prophetic word goes out, the expectation is that there is a response that befits that prophecy, that proclamation. And I don't know where it is that any of you have been living your life or your faith. But as a pastor today, I want to finish the book of Daniel by calling you back to God to adopt the resolutions we read a little earlier. And if you have not already bent, bent your heart to the throne of God's grace in Jesus Christ, for you to consider doing that today. If you've not been baptized, for you to consider doing that in short order, baptism being that Christian rite by which we express, I believe there is a God who is gracious and merciful and who through Jesus Christ, in miracle and mystery, who through Jesus Christ, years and years ago, entered in this world, came from across the finish line into the lane of my life and offered his life for me. I make no assumptions in this 21st century moment that even if you've been coming to church your entire life, that moment of decision has actually been there. And if that's where you find yourself this week, that you would pull me aside after this service, you'd give me a call this week and say to me, Pastor Seidler, this week I want to determine, with determination, get after a life that honors Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. See, prophecy comes at a cost. And that cost is your life. Jesus said, whoever will follow me, let him deny himself, herself, take up their cross, and follow me. Where? To the point of convergence where all things end at the throne of God's grace at the end of time. I want to invite you to that life today. I want to invite you to that baptism today. I want to invite you to that faith today.
so that Daniel's prophesying long ago and our work these hard seven weeks will not have been in vain. Now is the day of salvation. Now is the day of God's favor. Receive through faith that favor which God has demonstrated for us through Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, your grace is amazing. Beyond the song that is sung so often in the Christian church, we want our faith in Jesus Christ to be the song that speaks of that amazing grace. Lord, thank you for saving us. Thank you for entering into the lanes of our lives and drawing us toward your heavenly throne. Thank you for a vision, a vision that gives us content, what our faith entails, a vision that gives us courage, what our faith needs in order to make it across the finish line. We love you. We bless your holy name. Make this shepherd congregation and every last member of it a prophet after Daniel's heart, a Christian after Christ's compassion in these days of exile. In Jesus' name we ask it and all of God's people in agreement said, amen. Thank you. Let's rise.